guys, how's it going? This is Hub, and welcome back to another episode of Tighten Up the Defense, a show that could really use a tagline. Yeah, I hope everything's going great for you guys. I'm doing okay. Fairly uneventful week. I did finally end up watching Once Upon a Time in the West, the uh, Sergio Leone Spaghetti Western. Man, that movie is great. Jason Robards is super charming in it. There's some pretty fucked up gender politics, which you kind of expect from a Western made in the 60s. But the movie is just gorgeous. And it's weird to see Henry Fonda as a bad guy. Like a super bad, bad guy, too. One of the things that struck me about it, though, was anytime I watch a movie where the soundtrack is by Ennio Marconi, which I'm probably mispronouncing his name too, but he did the soundtrack to most of the Sergio Leone movies. Probably best known for the good, the bad, and the ugly, the... Every time I see that, I'm like, God damn, I wish my life had a soundtrack. And I thought about it a little bit more, and I'm kind of glad it doesn't. Because in my mind, yeah, it'll be the cool, like, western score music, but... I feel like probably theme music would end up being like nicknames where you don't really get to choose your own. Life just kind of chooses them for you. And I'm pretty sure it would just end up being a bunch of slide whistles. I mean, best case scenario, you get yakety sacks from the Benny Hill show, but that's pretty unlikely. And honestly, that would get to me after a while. Although it was my ringtone for a while, and that was nice. That's a pretty good song. All right, I take it back. Soundtracks for everybody. Well, we've got a Bronze Age Defenders comic to talk about. And it is, in fact, The Defenders number 1. So, without any further ado, let's ado this. Today's synopsis rhyme is submitted by... Well, shit, once again, it is Brad Reed. Thanks, Brad. Everybody else, you gotta step up your game. Brad's fucking lapping ya. By which I mean he's like running circles around you, not that... Never mind. Apple juice serves on stages some prop piss. Don't drink it, though. Chug a glass of synopsis. Gross. Also, pretty good. Thanks, Brad. Defenders, number one. August, 1972. I slay by the stars. Written by Steve Englehart, drotted by Sal Buscema, with inks by Frank Giacoa. Defenders roll call. Namor the Submariner. The Incredible Hulk. Doctor Strange. It's a beautiful night out, and the Incredible Hulk decides to go for an angry stomp through the woods of New Jersey. The Green Goliath's Garden State Gamble... Huh? Huh? Is interrupted by the sudden arrival of Namor the Submariner. The avenging son of Atlantis isn't shouting imperious Rex or talking smack about a shitty surface dwellers, which can only mean that he must be unconscious and probably ensorcelled as well. Yup. The comatose amphibious prince who just fell out of the sky is surrounded by a glowing magical barrier. I knew something mystical had to be going on. If he was just snoozing, he'd still probably be muttering, <sighs> Land dwelling fools. <sighs> Hulk tries to wake up his magically sleepy pal, but to no avail. After a bit of grammatically tortured philosophizing on the nature of friendship, Hulk decides to swallow his pride and jump to New York to seek the aid of his hated frenemy, Doctor Strange. Speaking of Strange, in his Sanctum Sanctorum in New York, Stephen Strange is using the Orb of Agamotto to poke around on the mystical internet to try to find out what the weird evil shit he's sensing all around him is. He's not finding any answers, which is kind of weird, because whether your internet is mystical or otherwise, it isn't usually that difficult to find evil on it. Strange is interrupted from his eldritch googling by the arrival of the Hulk. When he sees the Sorcerer Supreme in person, Hulk is immediately reminded of what an asshole Steve has been to him the past few times they've hung out. He's about to smash the shit out of the Doctor when he remembers that he's there to help his fish man pal. 
swallowing his pride, he fills Strange in on the situation. Wow, I'm impressed, Hulk. Look who put on his big boy pants. Well, his big boy tattered purple jorts anyway. Hulk's maturity is rewarded as Strange turns the two of them invisible and flies them to New Jersey to further investigate, pausing only to offhandedly belittle the Hulk for not immediately grasping the magical nature of their flight and invisibility. Damn it, Steve! The two find Namor as the Hulk left him, but before they get much of a chance to examine the body, they are joined by an evil little ugly guy in a purple robe. The ugly little guy introduces him as Necrodamus, and boy howdy is he ugly. He's got a shitty Fu Manchu mustache that makes a valiant effort but doesn't even begin to cover the vast wasteland that stretches from this dude's tiny pug nose to the top of his gross grimacing mouth. I mean, yes he's a hunchback and has weird little T-Rex arms, but man, you could comfortably stack like six or seven stashes on that guy's upper lip before you got anywhere near his beak. Before anyone gets a chance to ask Necrodamus why the long face, he explains that he is responsible for Namor's mystically sleepy state, and that he wrapped him in this magic barrier as a favor to his bosses, the Undying Ones, and their boss, the Nameless One. I guess a while ago, Hulk, Namor, and Doc Strange teamed up and really pissed off a cadre of extra-dimensional assholes who are named after the properties they don't possess. Although if he's named the Nameless One, then he isn't really... You know what? Never mind. Too early for a paradox. Anyway... The three heroes fought the Nameless One, got briefly stuck in a dimension ruled by the Nightcrawler, but not that Nightcrawler, wrecked that whole dimension, then with the help of a reformed member of the cult who worshipped the Undying Ones who sacrificed herself to thwart them, trapped the Nameless One in a different dimension that they can't get to Earth from. Anyway, the monikerless monster is super pissed at the Defenders now, and somehow managed to give his weird little buddy Necrodamus a bunch of power, and told him that if he sacrifices Namor at a certain hour when the stars are aligned just so, he'll give him even more power, and spruce up his shitty little body real good. Sounds fair. Then I guess Necrodamus has to go run some errands or something, because he tells Hulk and Steve that he'll be back in an hour to kill their buddy, and then pops off for a bit. Hulk tries smashing the barrier, and Strange tries to magic it away, but to no avail. Then Doc tries his trusty old slow-down time spell, but even that has no effect. At least, not that he notices. Because we see that Strange managed to pull his magic hamstring or something, and that the spell he used back in Marvel feature number one to freeze time on that doomsday device that's in Maine is now weakened, and unbeknownst to him, he just restarted a very slow countdown to Armageddon. Damn it, Steve! Back in Jersey, Hulk keeps trying to smash, and Doc tries a bunch more spells before deciding to give up and take a snooze for a while. Seriously? Necrodamus has gone for less than an hour and you decide to take a nap? I guess that's why his superhero outfit is his pajamas. When he wakes up from his nap, Steve is real grumpy and yells at the Hulk for being too noisy. Jeez, Steve. I'm gonna start calling you the Tactless One. The Tactless One casts the Crimson Bands of Cytorak, which makes a weird red dome out of the unbreakable bands that I guess the Juggernaut's armor is made out of? Weird. The red stuff covers Namor and the Hulk, and I guess might have kept Nakradamus from killing the Submariner if, you know, it had a floor. Because as soon as the dome forms, Namor's body gets sucked into the earth like that one scene in Nightmare on Elm Street where Johnny Depp gets sucked into the bed, only without the geyser of blood. Which is a good sign. But still. Damn it, Steve! The tactless one. I'm kind of liking that nickname then figures that Necrodamus must have taken Namor's body to an underground cavern to perform the ritual sacrifice, so he and the Hulk go spelunking in a nearby cave. They must be on the right track because they are immediately attacked by a giant evil monster who calls himself the Demon of the Dark. Relieved to have something to hit, Hulk smashes the shit out of the demon. Hooray! 
The pair of heroes continue deeper into the tunnel until they arrive at a huge cavern where they see Namor lying on a sacrificial altar with Necrodamus hovering over him and the spectral image of the Nameless One hovering over him. Doc tells Hulk to smash Necrodamus, but Hulk has some qualms about smashing someone smaller than he is. Really? I seem to recall Hulk mixing it up with a certain diminutive Canadian on more than one occasion. Well, that proves to be irrelevant, because at that instant, the astral alignment, or the nameless one, or whatever, transforms Necrodamus from a hideously ugly little guy into a hideously ugly big guy. Huh. Seems like whoever did the transforming could have sprung for a nose. Whatever. The important thing is, Hulk now has no compunctions about smashing the guy. Or trying to. Because Big Necrodamus is no slouch at fighting. The two titans tussle, but as the stars continue to shift their alignment, Necrodamus gains the upper hand and manages to stab the Hulk with his magic dagger. Oh no! During the fight, Strange finds a weakness in the barrier surrounding the Submariner. Subby is breathing, which means air can get in. Figuring that if air can get in, so can water, the tactless one floods the magic cocoon, which revives Namor and gives him enough strength to break the force field. Hooray! The savage son of Atlantis picks up the fight just as the Hulk begins to fall. Namor and Necrodamus struggle, but the gruesome former hunchback appears to have the upper hand. Steve steps in and adds his paltry physical prowess to Namor's, but the two still seem overmatched. Things look pretty grim, but what's that happening in the corner of the cave? It seems that being stabbed caused the Hulk to revert to his alter ego of Bruce Banner. And because the dagger was magic, the wounds that affected the Hulk didn't transfer to Bruce. Huh? Sure. Why not? Bruce adds his puny indoor kid strength to that of Strange and Namor, and it proves to be barely enough to stay Necrodamus's hand past the exact astral alignment necessary for the sacrifice to be effective. Hooray! Necrodamus resorts to his original form, swears a shitty little oath of vengeance, and disappears in a puff of smoke shaped like the Nameless One. Hooray! Strange tells Banner that when he turns back into the Hulk, the wounds will stay gone, because magic. Makes sense. They ask Namor how Necrodamus managed to capture him and throw him from the sky, and Namor explains that's easy. Necrodamus didn't. The Silver Surfer did. What? Guess he was tired of being the only one to plummet from the heavens like a majestic osprey. To be continued. Hooray! And joining us once again is my good-for-many-things brother, Corey. Corey, how are you doing? Doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing quite well myself. Are you recovered from... Your Thanksgiving Day feastings and such? Mm, yes. You? Largely, yes. Good. So, what'd you think? Oh, this was nice. I liked it. It's uh, it's nice to have Steve Englehart aboard. He is one of my favorite writers, and it's a good, solid first issue, and I really enjoyed it. Likewise. It was, in parts, super wordy and dense, but uh-huh. I don't really know how else you get that much information into a explanation. They spent a little bit too much time on the flashbacks to things that happened in the Strange Tales and Submariner adventures from before the Defender stuff started. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I see what you mean. It's tough to shorthand that stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, And where it wasn't in this series, you can't just drop a like, I assume everybody's read this. Yep. We've also got a different artist on this than we've had on the previous ones. This is Sal Buscema, who I believe inked Marvel feature number two, but hadn't been the primary artist on either of these. And I like Sal Buscema. I do feel it's a bit of a step down from Ross Andrew, who I really liked. And we don't have Bill Everett doing the inks anymore, which I liked his take on Submariner. But Sal Buscema draws a terrific, incredible Hulk. I like his take on the Hulk a lot. 
I've read a lot of Sal Buscema stuff because he did the whole, almost the whole uh, ROM, the Space Knight run. There are some later issues that are had different people fill in, but he did at least like 50 issues of it. Oh. And he has a good solid run on the Defenders. He's going to be the primary artist on this for quite some time. You're going to get used to seeing the uh, grimaces that he draws. Mm-hmm. Not the big purple fellow, but the... Uh, gotcha. Yeah, he has a very distinctive way that he draws people <laughs> grimacing with their mouths open. And we don't have it yet at this issue, but as it goes on, we will start seeing mostly with bad guys or when people are in a rage, but he'll start connecting the top and bottom part of the grimace with a stalactite or stalagmite, depending on where you believe it originates, of spittle connecting their mouth in a couple of places. Ah, we do see that in this. Oh, we do? In one one panel. Who's doing Is it the Hulk? Uh, It's bad guys. Oh, Um, yeah. It is more common among bad guys, but I can see there probably being some crossover to the Hulk because spittle seems to be a rage thing with the way Sal Buscema draws. Sure. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, foaming at the mouth. Yeah, I like his Hulk. Um, it, I get the sense of almost how painful it is for him to work out stuff, like just thinking. Yeah. Like it looks it, like it hurts him to like... It, it does, and it works really well with the way the Hulk has kind of a running monologue going of everything that he does. And there are some characters that that bothers me when they do, where it's just like, why would he be saying that out loud? Mm-hmm. But with the Hulk, it kind of makes sense. It's like, it takes a little extra effort to keep your internal monologue internal. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I get it. It makes sense for the Hulk. And also just, I love the way the Hulk talks. So yeah, keep talking. Yep. I was kind of thinking about it. The external monologue makes sense for any of the defenders to me. Like, I can see Doctor Strange doing it just because he loves to hear himself talk mm-hmm. <laughs> and say mystic words and things. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, no, makes sense that he would do that because he actually has a fair amount of that. Mm-hmm. And with Namor, it's he's got a pretty decent sense of drama and a fair amount of arrogance himself. So I'm like, yeah, I can see him just being like, well, who wouldn't want to hear what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. Anybody happens by, they'll be blessed to hear my thoughts. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that actually makes sense for all of the defenders that... They get to do as much, like, mm-hmm. narration as they want. Yep. Kind of works. Yeah, what'd you think of Necrodemus? Oh, man. I had scribbled down a note at some point. And initially, I read this in the black and white or version. Uh-huh. And um, in that one, even more so, it's pronounced. But I was wondering if... <coughs> How about you take another sip uh, of your hot toddy? <coughs> Cheers. Thank you. No much problem. Better. I was wondering if the people that were coming up with the kind of makeup design in the Harry Potter franchise had read this as a kid <laughs> and like when they were coming up with Voldemort were like freaked out by Necrodamus. Maybe. That somehow translated into the makeup because that was sort of the first thing. He's got this like a very tiny nose and uh, just an ugly bad guy face. He's got a super ugly bad guy face. He also, I didn't like, his face has so many weird lines and contortions that I didn't notice until, like, more than halfway through his appearances that he had a giant Fu Manchu mustache. Yeah, I actually went back to the beginning to see if he had just sprouted that, like, like when he through. became a giant, yeah. if, if it grew. And I was like, oh, no, I guess he had that the whole time. Mm-hmm. It was just, I I guess, maybe inked differently in parts or something. But, but uh, yeah, I totally didn't notice it, really, until he turned into his giant form. So, he is a mangled up hunched back like dwarf right Mm -hmm. who's super ugly yep and his dream when he can use all of the magical might in the world 
is to be a giant malformed, super ugly dude. Not malformed, just he looks he's pretty super, healthy once well, he's, 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 he's healthy, but he's still just so fucking ugly and... Oh yeah, I don't think he cares about his mug. Okay, I actually would have liked, and I think it would have kind of been more of an interesting dynamic if when the stars gave him his power, he turned like super handsome too. Mm. Like if he turned into just like a giant Thor looking dude, Mm -hmm. but was still super evil. I I think that would have been kind of nice and it would have actually made sense. But I mean, you know. Oh, you got to stick with your, your, the morality from the Thundercats of uh, bad guys or (laughs) strangers are ugly and therefore. (laughs) Yeah. We shouldn't like them. There's (laughs) my favorite episode of the Thundercats. I haven't watched a ton of it. I loved the show when I was a kid. When I was in college, I watched one episode that was on, like, Cartoon Central or something when I was in somebody else's dorm room. And I was struck by a couple of things about it, mostly how bad it was. <laughs> um, it does not hold up. But there were a couple of points in it. One was, and both, both times it was the writing of the show. The animation's pretty decent. But Tigra is leaving to go out on some kind of an adventure and before he leaves, one of the other guys yells at him, Hey, dude, remember, if you go swimming, you can't turn invisible. <laughs> <laughs> and wouldn't you know it, that came up later in the episode. <laughs> the main thing, though, was the end of the episode. It was like some ugly cockroach-looking dude came down from space, and the Thundercats attack him, and then he teams up with the mutants, and then he's like, Oh, shit, these mutants are a bunch of assholes. Um, I guess they're pretty evil. I will help the Thundercats and I'll kick their butts. And they turn. it turns out he's a good guy. As he's leaving, Snarf goes, I'm glad he's gone. He was so ugly. <laughs> and Panther's like, but Snarf, he was good. He was our friend. And then Snarf, Snarf goes, yeah, but he was so ugly. <laughs> and Panther goes, yeah, he was good and ugly. <laughs> and then they all laugh. I'm like, nobody learned a goddamn thing. Uh, but yeah, kind of a similar vibe here with Necrodamus. Mm-hmm. He's ugly, so he's ugly inside too. Mm-hmm. I just thought it made a nice made made a nice counterpoint if uh, he the stars that made him giant also made him like super hot. Mm-hmm. But no, also Necrodamus. I keep going back and forth with whether I really like the name or really whether I really hate the name because I don't know. I like a good pun. But I don't, I feel like it, having your name be kind of a pun on Nostradamus, but you're a dead looking dude, mm-hmm. kind of makes it a little less weird and eldritch, you know? Change the way you say it. The syllabic emphasis, so he becomes, uh... Necrodamus. Necrodamus? Necrodamus, like hippopotamus, but Necrodamus. Or like Rodimus Prime. It, it, it what? Uh, Rodimus Prime was the... <laughs> completely innuendo-free uh, successor to Optimus Prime, who turned into a hot rod. Erotimus Prime. Not Erotimus Prime. Oh, okay, I misread you. Rodimus. It's also. Also. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> One of the little points I liked in this, I like all of the dice... Sta- One of the things I really liked about... <laughs> Sorry. That, those are the noises that happen whenever I make a mistake. That's why you've never heard that before. Uh, that's why you don't like robots. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. Because those are like weird robot I noises. Am a, I, I, no, no. I am a human man from Earth, Corey. I'm glad of it. Mm. <laughs> I 
as a human man from Earth, mm. I was noticing I really enjoyed a lot of the bystander dialogue that happened in this issue. Oh, yeah. I was actually kind of wishing there was more of it, but only a couple of pages take place in New York City. One of the things I really liked is, I believe I complained a couple of issues ago that the cops had a very bad The Hulk plan, which is they see The Hulk, they just charge in and start shooting at him and like try to arrest him. Right. And then he throws a train at them. Mm -hmm. Cop in this issue... Much better, more reasonable Hulk plan. Oh, yeah, right away. Yeah, which is... Yeah, I'd give him the fucking right away, man. Yeah, it totally makes sense. But, yeah, so the Hulk shows up in New York City and starts talking about how much he hates New York. He's standing in the middle of the traffic. The, the police officer just does crowd control, which is really responsible of him, and says, get back. He looks like he knows where he's going, and he definitely has right of way. I mean, that's a, that's a kind of funny line, but also, yeah, that is how cops should 100% handle the Hulk. Mm -hmm. He's basically a natural disaster. You don't fucking shoot at a tornado. Mm -hmm. You also don't put a saddle on a tornado. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have I mentioned that before on the podcast? Well, then when people try to tell me what to do, I like to tell them, like, you can't tell me what to do, man. You can't put a saddle on a tornado. Oh. You can't control me. That may have come up. I'm not sure if it did, but it bears repeating. Listeners... If you see me in public and you'd like to try to control me, please don't. You can't control me. You can't put a saddle on a tornado. In this metaphor, I'm the tornado. <laughs> Although in actuality, I am a human man from Earth. I cannot stress that enough. Not a robot. No, no, no. I don't even know where you got that idea. Or a tornado. Does not compute. Does oh, not compute. Okay, okay. Something that I did like in this too. Well, I both liked and hated this. The weird lizard creature, demon... That shows up and tries to attack them? Uh, the Demon of the Dark? Is that what he was? Yeah. It comes out and says, I am the Demon of the Dark. Bah, oh, bah, bah, bah. He totally does. That is ugly as shit. He's ugly as shit. And also, how the fuck is a lizard man going to have a full head of hair? And is That it, really bothers me. <laughs> is it a neck or a torso? Because it's, it's one or the other that it has. Which? The Demon of the Dark. Let's take a look. It's got a goofy fucking hairdo. Definitely has a goofy hairdo. And so you think it does not have both a neck and a torso. It has a neck or a torso. That's kind of how it's drawn to me. Um, that one, he looks fine. I mean, not fine. He's very ugly. Uh, but I think that's just a matter of perspective. Oh, what's that off his chin? Is that his... Oh, those are his rippling abs. Which go all the way up to his chin. Maybe it's a beard? Let's take another look. <laughs> it's a really weirdly drawn critter. Oh, gosh. See? The abs do go that is all the way from his chin. Yeah, and they turn into a neck. His uh, skirt. Is that a skirt or is that hair? Oh, it does match. The, uh, the drapes he's got match this, yeah, the, uh, the carpet. They, he's, uh, <laughs> he's got a skirt made out of his long flowing pubes. Ugh. Which, again, he's a fucking lizard. This demon makes no sense. Well, it's a demon, not a lizard. He's also ugly. Yeah, but he's got scales. I feel like if you have scales, you don't have hair. Here's another thing that happens when people do character design. Mm. You will end up with, and this really bothers me, I, whenever you get a race of lizard people, you don't get to give the lady lizard people huge breasts. <laughs> what would they do with those things? Nothing. Mm. Not a goddamn thing. They don't, they don't nurse their young unless it's some kind of like a... Like, whatever the alien... I, you know what? Fuck it, I guess... I hate to say it. It does bother me, but I don't know fucking how aliens work, and maybe they're the alien equivalent of a platypus, where all bets are off. 
Mm-hmm. You know, platypuses make have venomous spurs. Yeah, we've probably talked about that before. I know you and I have talked about it. I don't know if it's come up in the context of God. Just a uh, platypuses are so great and so weird. Venomous spurs. I don't they, want any of the only mammal that makes venom, and they they lay eggs and oh yes. Hmm. Hub looks very thoughtful for those of you out there in Radio Land. <laughs> well, okay, I don't want to do this because I don't want to eat a platypus. Oh. But, potentially, the fact that they both have milk and lay eggs, you could make an all-platypus custard. Yep. And that's Do not people really, do that? That's not eating a platypus. Look, no, that's true. I mean, I still don't want to do it, though. How do you milk a platypus? That's the question. Very carefully, because they have venomous spurs. Right. I think only the males have venomous spurs. I'm not really up on my platypus knowledge. Mm. I'm more up on my platypus fun facts yeah. than anything else. Yeah. But Those are... if anybody out there has had platypus custard, <laughs> let me know, because I'm really curious about it now. How did that come up? That got weird. Oh, weird know. character design on the demon. Yeah, boob aliens. Yeah, boob aliens. Weird character <laughs> design on the demon. Yeah. Fucking, that guy's all neck. Like, somehow his neck goes down but it to his abs. pubes. Like He's a double a... chin that goes all the way down? Yeah, I don't know. All the way down. To... I mean, I don't think it's a double chin, because I don't think he's, like, Well, I mean, chubby. Like 12 of them. Yeah, it's, it's, so it would be, like... If anything, uh, it's like a swallowing chain. muscles, like for uh, peristaltic action. Yeah, it looks like it, like, or like he's gonna have some kind of a periscoping neck. It's like collapsible or something. That's probably the ugliest critter we've seen since that Wilford Brimley looking. Wilford Brimley's not that alien. Ugly. No, you know. Oh what I mean. yeah, 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 yeah. The pug-faced alien. Yeah, yeah, that one. I would actually put Goron from the last New Teen Titans episode up there. Which one was Goron? He was the one that you described as being a Tyrannosaurus Rex with a pug's face and crazy old man eyebrows, and I described as being a toddler made out of turds and bad intentions. Oh, yep. Yeah. Yeah, that guy's... I think he's up there with that, but there's something about this dude. He's a seriously ugly demon. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And gets his ass kicked. He gets his ass kicked almost immediately by the Hulk, which is great. I love the way the Hulk is written in this issue. I love the way the Hulk is drawn in this issue. Hulk is charming as fuck. And uh, loves to a good fight. Loves a good fight. Also loves his friend Fishman. Mm-hmm. I love when, he's, when he says, Don't worry, Fishman, Hulk will save the day. <laughs> Bounds off. He's, what a good guy. He's a real charmer. Conversely, Doctor Strange. What a dick. Stop calling him Monster. He has a name. You know his name. Mm-hmm. Or Beast or Behemoth. Yeah. Not cool, man. Not cool. I I keep wanting to defend Doctor Strange to myself because I remember really liking Doctor Strange. I think maybe I just really like Doctor Strange comics. I gotta be at least on the fence about Doctor Strange, though. And this and here he is written by Steve Englehart, who is, like, my favorite Doctor Strange writer. Yeah, I think he's kind of a dick. Hulk's like, I'm confused because one minute we were, you know, standing there and now we're invisible flying through the air. He's like, I don't understand. And Doctor Strange is like... Doesn't matter. You don't have to understand. Still happening. Mm-hmm. Monster. Yeah. Literally, almost. Yeah. Like, that's... Let, 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 let's see what the actual verbiage of it was, because it really wasn't that far off. No, it's, it just sounds more pompous when he says it. But, like, unnecessarily, you know, mean. I don't... Yeah. Understand. Okay. I would also be confused if I was suddenly invisible and flying through the air. Even if I wasn't the Hulk. Even if I wasn't the Hulk. 
Yeah. Although, you know, but the Hulk ideally I would be. <laughs> but the Hulk says, what is happening? Hulk does not understand. That's fair. Reasonable. Awkwardly phrased, but fair. Intellectually honest. Mm-hmm. Doctor Strange's response is, nor need you, monster. My simple spells of invisibility and levitation will work nonetheless. Dude, you are not winning any friends. No wonder. I, I really like the fact that Hulk doesn't have a clear understanding of what happened in Marvel feature number three, the last issue. But he remembers that he was pissed off at Doctor Strange because Doctor Strange was appearing in Greenface on TV. And so the Hulk saw Doctor Strange pretending to be the Hulk on TV. Gets understandably pissed off, I think. Mm-hmm. Because I really bet that, like, Doctor Strange's impression of the Hulk would be super, super condescending. Mm-hmm. And, me Hulk, <laughs> me monster, me stupid, duh, Hulk don't understand. <laughs> and so, yeah, so the Hulk shows up, he's like, I need Doctor Strange's help. Sees Doctor Strange, is like, I know this guy. Fuck this guy. I'm going to smash him. Yeah. And then has to talk himself. He's like, no, wait, 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 wait. Almost forgot. I'm here to get his help. Yeah. I don't want to smash him yet. Yeah. And Doctor Strange, too, like, as soon as the Hulk shows up, he's like, oh, shit. Is this <laughs> cool or not? Like, <laughs> Yeah. And then as soon as he's like, I need your help, he's like, oh, then I'll totally help you, monster. <laughs> yeah. The Omegatron is referenced, and that sure. that was the doomsday device that was in that bunker that they had to go defeat, right? Right. I feel like maybe I missed the explanation or whatever about how that got restarted and what that had to do with this. Okay, so what happened is the way that he defeated the thing was he put it off till later. He put it in a time bubble, and time didn't pass in the bubble. Oh, and then he fucked with time when he tried to... And then he tried to fuck with time again to get Namor out of his cryogenic shit or whatever. Um, got all sweaty, had to meditate. Got all... Yeah. There, a lot of people get a lot of... Get really sweaty really quickly in here. It's a sweaty issue. Like, sweaty is kind of Buscema's go-to. Mm. There's a, a series of three panels in which Namor gets super sweaty when he's about to get stabbed. Mm-hmm. Which, like, I get it, but, like, those are supposed to happen within a second. Mm -hmm. And, like, the first panel, he's, like, not sweating. Mm -hmm. Second panel, kind of sweaty. Third panel, soaked. It's like, so he just released some kind of a floodgate of sweat within one second. Went from dry as a bone to fucking a typically Namor setting of soaked as hell. That's super uncomfortable. Have you had that, like, a cold sweat ever? I've had a cold sweat, but I don't think it was, like, immediate, like... I don't think I went from bone dry to drenched mm. in a second. Yeah. Did did you? I don't know, but... Felt that way? Felt that way. Maybe that is what happened. I don't know. But yeah, so when Doctor Strange tries to fuck with time again, can't because the sorcery is too strong or whatever, mm-hmm. he kind of strains himself and it weakens all of his spells a mm. little bit. Okay. And that makes the clock on the Doomsday device start ticking again. Got it. And just, like, you see it, like, a hundredth of a second passes on it, but there was only, like, eight seconds left. So, mm-hmm. something that he's going to have to deal with in the future. Yeah, that's just setting up some foreshadowing for later, but that's why it starts going again. Like, oh, shit, we forgot about that thing. Yeah. Mm. So, kind of cool. Yeah. Means they're going back to Maine at some point. Oh, yeah. Maybe we'll get to see, uh, Sari and, uh, shit, forgot his name. Yeah, that guy. And cool old guy. Yeah. Yeah. I like them. They were a delight. Yeah. So hopefully they'll show up again. Okay. Yeah, so that was what was going on with that. 
there's something kind of weird happening too with Hulk gets stabbed by the astral dagger of the bad guy. Mm -hmm. That causes him to turn back into Bruce Banner. Mm -hmm. But then somehow Bruce Banner didn't get stabbed, so he's fine. Mm -hmm. And then the dagger goes away because they beat the dude, and so now the Hulk is going to be fine when he goes back to being the Hulk, too. Space magic. Space magic. Yeah, there's a lot of space magic that Mm -hmm. goes on in this issue. But the other thing about that is... So the Hulk is totally holding his own against the monster, but they're kind of at a standstill. Then dude gets a magic dagger, stabs the Hulk. Mm -hmm. Then Doctor Strange does the one thing he does really cool in this issue, which is Phil, like he's like, okay, I can't penetrate this shield, but he is able to breathe through the shield. So air must be getting in. Mm -hmm. So I can use my magic to up the moisture content of the air Mm -hmm. and fill the tube with water. And then he can bust out of that because water makes him stronger. Mm Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. I liked that, and I liked that it made sense, kind of. And I was like, oh, that's that's good It was good, good thinking, quick thinking. That means that a wet submariner is stronger than the Hulk. Because the Hulk couldn't smash it. Hulk couldn't smash through the barrier. Now, Doctor Strange does say maybe the barrier was weaker on the inside. Well, sure. I mean, it was intended to keep people out, not, yeah, person. Prisoner. I guess. Oh, space magic. But mm-hmm. here's what I wanted to get to. Namor starts fighting the guy. And Namor is not stronger than the guy. No. He's not at quite as strong as the guy. Mm-hmm. But Namor and two regular, two slightly lesser strength human beings, because mm-hmm. Doctor Strange doesn't have any like particular physical powers, mm-hmm. and even says that. He's like, but where the magician fails, the man can mm-hmm. help. It seems like the Hulk is like crazy strong. The Hulk is pounding on this dude forever. Bruce Banner, who is a weakling, mm-hmm. and Doctor Strange adding their powers to Namor would be like two ants adding their power to like two big things mm. two that strong, are fighting each things. other. Two st- big strong things, mm. yeah, yeah, that are fighting each other. Oh, my power of metaphor is failing me. It's okay. More podcasters. Hey. Elephants. Two. Elephants are big and strong. Mm-hmm. So let's say two elephants are fighting. Okay. These elephants are fairly evenly matched. Mm-hmm. Then two ants help one of the elephants. Mm-hmm. That's not going to make any fucking difference. But in this case, it swings the tide of the battle. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's crazy that those... That should be completely insignificant. And yeah, it only delays it just long enough that the second that he had to stab the dude passes... That's some bullshit. That's some space magic bullshit. What are you saying? <laughs> Say that's some space magic bullshit. Space magic bullshit. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Also, to what extent do you think Necrotimus... <laughs> I like that enunciation better. You're right. It makes a difference. Thanks. To what extent do you think Necrotimus is a mastermind of this situation? And to what extent is he just an opportunist? Because he... I think he's just kind of a liar. I think he found an unconscious Namor and made the most of it. And yeah, put a good shield around him, then he grows to big size. But he makes it sound like he planned this whole thing. But there's a couple of things that give lie to the fact that he did not plan this whole thing. Mm. First of all, the way he first announces that he planned the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You think he's just trying to sound smart or something? I, I assumed he was getting direction from the Nameless One. Because the Nameless One is like, hey, I'm pissed off at the Hulk and Namor for doing sure. this stuff that they did that got me trapped. No, that is definitely happening. 
But okay. And so, so he sees the three of them together. Uh-huh. And he goes, good to see you three here. But then I caused it, so why should it not be so? Um, that's a weird way to say something. And after all, I should know because I'm your brother, aren't I? After all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fist of the North Star. Good times. But that's one thing. And then at the end, he says that he threw Namor to the heavens. Or from the heavens into the Hulk's path. He, well, then, I mean, at he could end, been using the Silver Surfer as his instrument. Nobody uses the Silver Surfer as their instrument. He's too powerful and also a majestic osprey that plummets to earth. Not even the flips. Not even, well, oh man. <laughs> anyway, that's, we can ponder that for another time. Yes. I do see what you're saying. But the he, Silver Surfer is clearly under the influence of some... We don't know. Well, we would assume. He's not well, we, we would assume, inherently but, a bad... Well, he's not inherently evil, but at the same time, a lot of people who are not inherently evil have tussled with the Submariner from time to time. He can be um, a dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brings out the tussle in some people. Yeah, I, I mean, really, if you were to make a list of people in the Marvel Universe who have not had legitimate reasons to try to, frankly, kill the Submariner at one point or another, mm-hmm. it would be a very short list. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Okay, fair So, enough. we don't know what's going on with the Silver Surfer. That majestic Osprey. That majestic Osprey plummeting to the earth. Yeah, I don't know. You ready for the minutia? Yeah. Okay. You want to sing us into it? Manusha! Oh, that was nice. Thanks. Thank you. What, Corey, mm. <laughs> Quite, yes. <laughs> was your favorite sound effect? My favorite sound effect was when Hulk tries to beat on the force field that is holding the unconscious Namor, and it makes the noise, Kroom! Kroom is a good noise. Yep. I liked that, too. I believe that my favorite is when the Hulk is... <laughs> Punching the shit out of the fucking neck-abbed hair lizard. Mm. The demon of the dark. The demon of the dark. And it goes, crunge! Oh, that was C-R-U-N-G-E. My, that was my runner-up sound. Nice. Crunge. There was another one. It was a couple of panels after that. That was on pan- page 12. Badoom! Mm. Mm-hmm. I like that. There was a kaboom earlier, too, but that's They're, pretty played. Kaboom is pretty standard, but the illustration of the word kaboom is actually really fantastic on that one. I agree. Where the, the, the impact that the word is having is making the letters fall away from the point of explosion. It was really nicely done. So, yeah, you're right. Kaboom is kind of a, a normal sound effect, but it's the way it was carried out was delightful. That lizard is so ugly. It's a real ugly lizard. I hate that thing. It's the worst. I'm I'm so happy that Hulk punches it so, so hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he cringed it good. Yeah, and just wants to keep punching it and tells the demon, Get up, demon! Hulk, Hulk wants to fight you some more. Yeah, he counts on kind of Doctor Strange holding him back and saying, like, Dude, 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 it's cool. We got yep, all this yep, shit to do. Yep. But yeah, no. Hulk would have just keep pounding on that thing. Mm-hmm. Well, it Forever. Was, it was ugly. Mm-hmm. Good and ugly. No, it was bad, bad and, and ugly. ugly. You're right. Goddamn demon of the dark. Sometimes bad is bad. Mm, Cool is the rule, but sometimes bad is bad. Uh, Yip, 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 yip. (laughs) Oh, shit. Right there Uh, with me. Do you remember when when your dad made that tape, the cassette tape, that had Huey Lewis on one side and had ZZ Top on the other side, and you loved ZZ Top? Mm Mm-hmm. 
and you've been listening to the ZZ Top side, and then you flipped it over, and I remember being in the car, and you just went off on your dad. It was like, damn it, dad, every time you make a cool ZZ Top tape, you go and put something like Huey Lewis on the other side. I was angry. I know. You were filled with a righteous wrath. I was all hopped up on that Texas rock. Oh, man. Have you heard their uh, their first band? No. They were in like a pretty credible like garage rock band. I think I think they were in the thirteenth floor elevators. Huh. Um, I did not know. I might have. They might. It might have been a different like late sixties garage rock band, but they were really good. <laughs> and ZZ Top is really good too. I like ZZ Top. They play a good rock. Yeah. Editors note the band Hub was thinking of was in fact the moving sidewalks, not the thirteenth floor elevators. So sorry. But sorry. don't go... I, you know what else? Mm. I like Huey Lewis in the news. Yeah, I, I kind of, they kind of grew on me. My dad played him so much. <laughs> <laughs> no choice. I heard an interview with Huey Lewis a while ago. I think it was on Bullseye, which is an excellent podcast, which you guys should listen to. Really good interview show. But when they interviewed Huey Lewis, they played I Want a New Drug to mm-hmm. introduce him. Mm-hmm. And then he came out and said, Hey, Ghostbusters, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, Huey Lewis. That's the perfect Huey Lewis joke for you to make. That is a good one. Yeah, good for you, buddy. Yeah. Good on him. Could have done without seeing his dong. Oh, what was that? The River's Edge? Or... No, that was in uh, Shortcuts. Oh, okay. The Robert Altman one. There, is that the one where they're on the River's Edge? Yeah, they are on a River's Edge <laughs> okay. in that movie. And he's he's taken a wee. And yep. uh, yeah, he pees on a corpse. And yep. it's like, hey, that's not right. I remember that, too. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no, Huey Lewis, put that, no! Yep. Oh, dear. I think we saw that with our parents, too. Uh. Yeah. No one should ever see Huey Lewis's dick with their parents. <laughs> the weird phrase, but it's, it's true. It's true. I'm not disagreeing. It's true. Okay. Corey. Yep. I'm just a human man from Earth. Sure. But even I know. Mm-hmm. No one should ever see Huey Lewis's dick with their parents. Got it. So... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sartorially speaking, who do you think had the best outfit in this thing? This was a tough one. Yeah. There aren't a lot of non-main characters in this. Yeah, I kind of had to search for it, and mine is from a guy who's in a panel, a little tiny one on page six, and I think it's a Nightcrawler of the Nightcrawler dimension, not the Nightcrawler Yeah, X-Men. not the X-Men Nightcrawler, yep. but before that there was the Noisome Nightcrawler. The Noisome Nightcrawler. Who... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess owned a dimension that is part of the flashback sequence. Yep, but he's got this kind of big suit of armor with this badass thing that looks like a cross between a mace and a baby rattle. (laughs) And uh, he's got the the helmet that has, I don't know the word for it, but it's like the large ornamental piece that's on the front of a samurai helmet. Mm, uh, That's called a Galactus helmet. (laughs) He's got a Galactus helmet piece Uh on his helmet. He looks pretty badass. Yeah, I think those are, if somebody's like trying to ride the back of Galactus on some pegs, mm-hmm. then they can hang on to those. <laughs> oh. Yeah, no, he's got a pretty decent outfit. I was tempted to go with flashback Doctor Strange, which there's an editor's note that says, <laughs> Re- remember when Doctor Strange wore his super dude long johns? And I was like, okay, that's the exact same outfit, but with a blue mask on top. Uh, it's tighter. The whole thing is... It's got the it's got it's the like same a, cape. It's got the same symbol on the front. Yeah, but it's like a morph suit. The whole it's thing just is more form-fitting. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're right, and it does have gloves. 
That is kind of cool, actually. Yeah, yeah, he looks like... Yeah, I, you know, I was down to either doing that or the bystander with the uh, blue pinstriped pants who, when the Hulk shows up, says, Oh, wow, just when I got used to rip-offs, muggers, and junkies, I have to run into this. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of a hippie, but he's wearing blue pinstriped pants, red shirt, nice tan vest, kind of floppy. Mm Mm-hmm. He's like a 1972. He's like a 1972, like, deadbeat hipster. Just a groovy guy. Yeah. I think I'm giving it, uh, it's a toss-up, but I'm going to go with the Doctor Strange when he was wearing his super dude long johns. Okay. Because I like that it is the same outfit, but more form-fitting, which, yeah, I didn't even get that until you pointed it out. I just thought it looked cool with the full face mask on. Yeah, the cape is the same. The amulet uh, attaching it is the same. The symbol is the same. Mm-hmm. But I like his regular outfit better, but I think that's a decent variation on it. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm okay with that one. Okay. Yeah. Any other sartorial notes to bring up? It's come up before, but but Namor's One Piece is pretty badass. I, Just I the Speedo? There's, like, well, the top part is almost like a little tiny belt with, like, a shell belt buckle. Yeah. That... I don't know. I kind of noticed that in more detail in this issue than I had noticed it before. And it was like, if I had to wear a pair of Speedos, it would probably be some that looked like that. I think if you were Namor, you would have to wear a pair of Speedos. Mm-hmm. It's all around a good look. If if we were going with just traditional Defenders look, though, I would give it to Doctor Strange every time. I really like the, like... Well, he's got a very cool costume. He, he's, got a, he's got a cool costume. It's got a nice yellow sash. I like... I like a superhero who's just wearing a goddamn regular shirt. Except in the black and white versions, it looks like he's just wearing, like, a, a super short bathrobe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of. But, like, I like that he just looks like he's wearing his goddamn PJs all the time. Sure. Like, it, it, it's good and it's consistent character work because he's, like, an aristocrat type dude. When we saw the panel where it's Bruce Wayne chilling and he's wearing his bathrobe with an ascot. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is the superhero equivalent of that costume. That makes sense. I mean, can you imagine if Bruce Wayne was a superhero? Mm, what would he wear? <laughs> Who knows? I mean, that guy, he's just a billionaire playboy. He's some rich guy shit. Yeah, so lazy. No way could he ever be a superhero. Yeah. Now, this is going to be a difficult one. What was your favorite dialogue? Because there's a lot of really good wordsmithing going on in this issue. Yeah, there is so much of it. I have... Two choices. One of them comes from Doctor Strange. Okay. And it is on page five. Okay. You know, it's kind of typical dialogue for him where there's a lot of alliteration and he's making some occult references, but I just really like the way it rolls off the tongue. He is exclaiming, By the hoary host of Hogoth, a subtly shifting silhouette forms amidst the glow of empty air. That's very nice. I like it whenever he invokes the hoary host of Hogoth. One piece of Doctor Strange dialogue that I really liked is when he exclaims, By the gods above, below, and beyond. Mm. That's a lot it's of a gods. really similar one, but it's like, yeah, good for you. I, I, li- I like that phrasing. And I know normally we alternate, but I kind of feel like Hulk has a rejoinder for him. Yes. Which is a piece of my favorite. I think this is the one that, that's that's my favorite. And it's Strange is trying to break through the barrier that's holding Namor and Hulk's mm-hmm. totally unimpressed. Right. And, and in a lot of ways, I think this could work for the barriers that society has constructed and the barriers that we put around ourselves. How does the Hulk feel about those? Oh, he hates them. And, um, and he says... Waving hands, glowing fingers, 
Those are all stupid things. Hulk knows how to break barriers. Hulk can smash. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I do like the waving hands, <laughs> glowing fingers. These are all stupid things. <laughs> It's a very reasonable statement. Yeah, it really is. He's so he's so right too. <laughs> I think my absolute favorite though is gonna be the narrator and the way the story starts off. Mm. It's got such a nice tone to it, and it's got just such a Steve Englehart stamp on it. So the first page, I'm just gonna read all of the dialogue, all of the caption work on the first page. Star Spangled, covered with stars. Like the heavens on this mild New Jersey Eve. Star, one who plays a leading role in a performance. Like the great green Hulk. Star-crossed, continually meeting with disaster. Again, like the Hulk. Falling star. Tonight, the Submariner. And you see the Submariner Mm -hmm. falling from the heavens and plummeting onto the earth. And that is where the giant kaboom happens. And then we get the the issue's title, which is I Slay by the Stars. It's goofy and it's dramatic and it's cool. And I like the structure of just defining these different star-based terms. I, I just think it really works nicely. Favorite panel. What you got? My first choice is on page two, and it is a panel which I refer to as Wake Up. And it's uh, <laughs> the Hulk is really, like, kind of freaking out that uh, Namor is... He just thinks he's, like, sleeping or something, and he's like, oh, it's my buddy. I'm going to wake him up. And he's like, yeah. hey, Namor, get up. And Namor's not moving, and then Hulk just screams at ostensibly the top of his lungs, Wake up, Namor! Hulk is here! <laughs> he looks really freaked out. Fishman does not move! Maybe he is hurt. Hulk must help! Yeah, yeah, that that is really great. Some of the Hulk smashing panels in this are really good. Hulk, the one where really Hulk is this. trying to break the barrier and he smashes against the barrier, and saying Hulk never gets tired and he's trying to free Namor, and it's the one that has the croom mm-hmm. noise. That one's really nice. I both love and hate the dark, the demon of the dark panels. Ugh, so ugly. But I think my favorite is it's on page twenty. And it's Necrotomus disappearing. And so there's, like, the dotted lines indicating that he is invisible now. And he's saying, I must flee, but I shall return when the stars again call out for blood, and my masters and I will have our vengeance. But what's happening in the background is there's this smoke, and there's this really cool-looking, stylized representation in smoke of the Nameless One. And it's so cool-looking. I really like that. That... That is my favorite, I believe. It's a good choice. And your favorite was the uh, the Hulk? I think it is. I had a backup, which is on page 16. It's it's when Namor finally gets out of the thing, and he's saying, I am free. That is a really good one. That that, that was up there for me, too. That It's a very dynamic him bursting loose. I am free! Yep. Pretty badass. And it's a very Namor panel, too. It's yep. nice. I back that, but you're going to go with... The Hulk. I just like Hulk screaming, wake up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's wake so up, Fishman. Dude, I'm Hulk, here. Hulk is here. Why wouldn't you get up? Why wouldn't anybody get up? The Hulk is here. You're my friend. Come on. I thought we were friends. Remember when we leaped off away from the space station and we splashed each other like the frolicking yeah. in Highlander or their training sequence in Rocky Three? Yep, exactly. Yeah. Are we on to the best defense, worst offense? Yeah, we are. Okay, so. Which do you want to start with, best or worst? Let's start with worst. This time. Okay, who is the worst offense? 
kind of pains me to say it, but circumstances being what they are, I do have to go with Namor. Really? Yep. He did try and fight the good fight at the end, and he did get out of the imprisonment, but as you pointed out, he is only one ant in a two-ant, two-elephant No, 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 no. He is one of the elephants. Oh, that's right. Banner and Stranger. Banner and Stranger are the two ants. Regardless. Regardless. Okay. He does some good punching, but I I think that... He does uh, some really good punching. Not enough. And he says that he's free. Yeah. All right. I get that. It's not his fault. It's not like he's a bad hero. He was just fucking asleep. I'm going to go with Doctor time. Strange, though, because Doctor Strange, I and I think he's been my choice almost every time. If not for Doctor Strange, Namor would still be trapped in that in that thing asleep. Kind of, but Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange fucked up so much in this issue. He did accidentally set the Doomsday device he, he, back. He, yeah, he started setting the world-destroying device back on track. Okay, that's pretty so bad. So he's maybe going to blow up the world. That's one of the ways that he fucks up. He also... Sets up these crimson bands of Sciotac. Am I getting that right? The unbreakable, impenetrable crimson bands of Cytorak. He wraps up Namor around them to keep him safe, except he doesn't put a bottom on that. And so gets so- and then he just decides to take a nap for an hour. And while he's doing that, fucking Necrotimus and his buddies siphons Namor just, back just into- grab him out of the earth. Yep. And Hulk was like, dude, I was going to fucking guard him. Mm-hmm. You told me to guard him. You seal me in this thing with him. And then bottom drops out. And even Dr. Strange says like, oh man, I was so arrogant. How could I, I, I so over? Foolish. Yeah, I overestimated. And he's such a dick to the Hulk. Yep. Mostly though, it's because he's going to blow up the world. And none of his spells work except for the one that lets him pump water through, which lets Namor free himself. It was a cool spell, but that was the only spell he did the whole time that had any effect. I agree with all that you said. I'm sticking to my guns. Okay, fair enough. I don't think we're going to have this kind of dispute in the best defense. I don't think so. Oh, actually, I I had a slash. I had a Hulk slash banner. Okay, no, I get that. Because banner also does great. For a little ant of a man? For a little ant of a man, he climbs on that elephant's back. And you know what? I do believe he could move that rubber tree plant. Because <laughs> he's got high hopes. No, the Hulk is fucking charming and wonderful throughout this episode. He is loyal. Mm-hmm. He heroically restrains himself from smashing the shit out of Doctor Strange. He uses higher reasoning. Yes. You know. He has a wonderful running monologue going. And he tries to save his fishman friend. Mm-hmm. And does a great job with that. And then when he gets magic stabbed back to being Bruce Banner, Bruce Banner's like, yeah, I don't know what's going on. And that's a giant demon with magic powers. I can't do a lot, but I'll do what I can. Mm -hmm. And he chips in and... Wins the day. Wins the day. He does a great job. Yep. Yeah. And that is why Hulk is truly the best defense. Best defender. Best defender. Great guy. All around. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. All right. That was a really fun issue. I didn't bring it up before, but I'm just looking at my notes. And I think I would be remiss if I didn't mention, at least quickly, there was a piece of phrasing that cracked me the fuck up and i know it is technically correct the way it is written but it is on page six as part of the flashback sequence so i guess part of the nameless one's plan was they hid these weird statues and namor had to find them but the way that it is phrased is you then enlisted the submariner's aid to uncover the occult fetish yeah i was like dude i bet you didn't have to search too long to uncover that occult fetish yeah. Especially if Doctor Strange was around. 
I would almost guarantee you Doctor Strange is into some kinky ass shit. Sure. Yeah. And on that note, we will be back next week where we will talk about a new Teen Titans issue. It'll be New Teen Titans number four, in which the new Teen Titans will have a crossover with the Justice League. So mm. that should be a lot of fun. George Perez draws team books like nobody else, and I'm really looking forward to that. And then we will be back in two weeks with the Defenders number two, in which they search for the Silver Surfer to find out why you fucking throwing Namor to the ground. Yeah, don't do that. You're the Osprey, not him. Mm-hmm. I've gotten some really nice feedback from you guys about a lot of things, um, and I really appreciate that. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can do so at ttwasteland at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter at, at TTWasteland. And if you would like to make a donation, any donations from this month and the next, uh, we'll be going to Planned Parenthood, the ACLU, the Southern Poverty Law Center, and Trevor's Project. Thanks to your generosity, we are going to be sending them We've already sent in $125. I'm going to be sending another $125 in a couple of days. So good work, and thank you so much for your generosity. And, you know, if you feel like dropping us a couple of bucks on Patreon, that would be great. If you do it now, it'll be going to them. After that, uh, as I said, it'll be going to Whiskey and Comic Books for us. So a number of very good causes are going to be funded here. Win-win. Indeed. Yeah, thank you so much for, for listening. Love interacting with you guys, so... As I said, we've gotten some great messages, and keep them coming. Touch me not. By the gods above, <laughs> beyond, and below. On account of what you said about Doctor Strange before, I'm sticking with touch me not. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Good policy for us all. I am a human man from Earth, and I bid you good day. <laughs> it is, it is.